and then I look over and you are passed out. Like in and I'm and just I, trying to add some animal noises to the forest. Force is what gives the Jedi his power. Why is the Force connecting us? I am a Jedi. Always do. There are. We're a dyad in the Force. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Force Diet Podcast. This is episode 51. And we've got a mega Mando episode in store for you tonight. We're going to be looking back at season three. As a whole, we've got quite a few episodes to cover. Talk about the finale, talk about our likes or dislikes, and maybe where we might be heading for season four. Uh, Return of the Jedi returned to theaters this last week uh, in honor of May the 4th and the 40th anniversary. So we'll talk a bit about that. And then uh, Obi-Shawn's been playing Jedi Survivor, so I'll give my uh, my initial thoughts on that. So... With that, I'm your host, Obi-Shawn, joined, as always, by my co-host with the most, Jedi John. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Loving life. Loving life. Ready for baby? We're on, we're on baby. Yeah, we're on baby watch. So <laughs> Baby watch 2023. Yeah, baby watch 2023. So, yeah, no, everything's going good, though. Everything's going really well. Excellent. So we're, what, T-minus five days? Yeah, well, yeah, tomorrow I'll be five days away. Five days. May 9th. May 9th is the is the is the day. Hopefully. Was there any was there any you know desire when you know way back you know a few months ago when you were planning you know kind of coming out when when the due date was going to be around that you were kind of pushing for May fourth? Was there any? I did ask. Did you? I did ask, but <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, that's normally a scheduled day for. Um, her doctor, so oh, big, yeah. big, big Star Wars fan. Her doctor, probably. <laughs> it's a it's a personal holiday. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, Thursday is just not a big uh, surgery day for her, so no planning. Yeah, but you know um, that's okay. It, it still could, it still could happen technically. I mean, she could go early, so fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We are excited for you. The collective we. <clears throat> so collective, the collective we. <laughs> so since we last talked, um, well, we both went on a golf trip together. Some of us played better than others. I won't name names. I played better. You're right. I've I've played better. Yeah. I, I, I I distinctly remember you saying that you didn't shoot above 400 uh, in our collective scores, and <laughs> it's true. I did. One of those was a par three course. So uh, hey, you know what? It's just, it is what it is, you know? I didn't lose to everybody all week, so. You but know, you, but we had fun. I'll hang, my, I'll hang my hat on that. We did have fun. I watched you walk a couple holes that you didn't have I to walk, but you walked well. them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get off the tee to save my life on Tuesday. My goodness. It but was... then but then you sink one birdie, one birdie putt, and mm-hmm. the whole round turns around. So That's right. Um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, um, and then... You know, the first talking point uh, or first thing we'll talk about tonight is uh, we both got to go see Return of the Jedi uh, this past weekend. Uh, late night, uh, which 
when we were kids wasn't so late. It was the movie times we used to go to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, nine forty-five is just not a late movie, but it's late now. Yeah, and it's it's weird on a Friday now that uh, you're like, especially if you work, you know, after you work all day, and and now you go sit in in a dark movie theater and have to watch the Endor, the Endor, the early Endor scenes. So, um, but it was nice to see it back on the big screen. I did you when the original. Uh, special editions were released in 97 did you go see those uh when they came out i believe i got to i believe i got to see all of them in theater i'm okay. almost i'm like 99 percent sure i saw all of them in theaters gotcha because i couldn't remember if i if i got a chance to see empire and jedi i knew i saw new hope but uh so as far as my memory is concerned it was the first time that i'd seen it or at least we'll remember seeing it on on the big screen and it uh it did not disappoint Except for, like I said, Jedi Rocks. I don't. I don't know what George was thinking when he decided to put that bit in. That, you know, I I, I look at that that whole scene, and even even the original Jabba's palace. You know, it, it was a it was a quirky, goofy scene. Like it was, it was just a lot going on for not a whole lot of reason, but mm-hmm. it was there. And then he added stuff to it, <laughs> and well. It is what it is, and it's part of Star Wars history, and uh, you know, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a very that whole movie. There's like weird parts in it that just they land, they just land weird. I don't know. It's just, but it, hey, it's Star Wars, and we love it. Yes, we do, and and I, you know, watching those those speeder bike scenes through the through the forest, I can only imagine what it was like in '83 when that first came out, and that sense of speed that you felt because i it felt like Mm. chaos watching it on the big screen you don't get that feeling when you watch it on the tv it just it doesn't suck you in like that um but you and i were talking i mentioned to you and keith that scene where they're carrying 3po through through, uh through the the treetop village and one ewok swings across to the next platform while they're carrying him in the chair and i motioned to you i'm like wait did they just attach him to a rope and just throw him across? Or how did he get from point A to point B? Yeah, they had to. They had to just hook him up and go. I, I didn't... That, that was probably the first time I've noticed that too. And it was, I guess it was because it was a blown up picture. And I'm like, hey, look, you can see the Ewok. What, the Ewok, they just stopped the procession. And now they're they're swinging across the <laughs> ravine to the next treetop. So uh, it was very interesting. Um, there was a couple things like that. Uh, and on top of that, you know... It just never landed when I was a kid that they were going to eat them. Yeah. There's a reason that they're, they can be called the murder bears. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a long day for me. So that was a long, it was a long day. But I, I was happy to see it in theaters um, again, most of it. So it was yeah, good. Yeah, because um, you added some special sound effects that weren't in the special uh, special edition. George should have added them. The snoring sound effects. <laughs> So, you know, it's funny, um, it's almost embarrassing as a Star Wars fan, as, as big of a Star Wars fan I am, that I, I fell asleep. I really should have got a second beverage, that's what I should have done. Uh, but after being up all morning uh, and being up early and then going to work for nine hours and then driving to get to a movie late, um, yeah, I was exhausted. I was just done, man. I mean, 10.30 hit and I'm like, you know what, I, 
this is normally my bedtime when I am falling asleep to Star Wars movies. It's it's just one what it's one of the movies that I pick to go to sleep to. Like so it's um yeah, I've trained myself. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that the early Endor scenes are very serene. They're very peaceful, they're oh, very yeah. quiet. And uh you get the birds chirping. And, and I'm in a lounger. And I'm in a lounger. Yes, yes. And uh I thought it was actually the kids next to you and then I look over and you are passed out. Like in and I'm and just I, trying to add some animal noises to the forest. I felt like um uh like I was poking uh God, what's his name? Oh jeez. This would have been a funny joke if I'd remembered his name. Help me, what the hell's his name? Uh Jabba's what? Jabba's uh handler. What? Uh God. The Twi'lek. Um. <laughs> oh, thank God! It's, I'm not the only one who's stupid. Why the hell can I think of his kid, name? Oh, kid, um. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. See. Okay. Good. I don't feel as bad now. And people. Yep. Mhm. Mhm. Oh my God! It's Bib Fortuna. <clears throat> Bib, old Bib. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Star Wars podcast, where we can't remember the names of popular Star Wars characters. Tune in next week where we forget somebody else. We can also um, say that it's a little late. It is a little late. It's a little late. But still, I felt like Bib it's not, it's not, yeah, it's, waking up Jabba. Dang it. There it is. The joke finally got there. It was. It just took yeah, just, five seconds. So I'm happy you made it. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, it was fun to see it on the big screen. Um, it, it's, it's, I always thought Return of the Jedi was good. Um, it was never my favorite of the original three. Uh, the lightsaber duel at the end is is classic Star Wars. Um, the joke the the joke in the theater was. Somehow... I actually enjoyed that space battle. Is probably my favorite out of the original trilogy space. space I know I know that you know we get the um, the trench run and stuff, but like it's not so much a dogfight or anything like that. Like it's. I would agree. It's more. It's more action packed. You've got you've got a lot more going on. Um, you've got the constant cuts back and forth between the shield generator and, and the space battle. And then Luke and, and all them watching from the throne room, uh, which, which adds a bit to it. Yeah. I mean, the, the duel's really good. It, 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 the, the ending is really solid. The middle's kind of dull, uh, but the end really, really seals it. And it, and it does wrap the story really well or wrap the original story really well. So you can't go wrong, and it did really well in the box office. I think it pulled in five million dollars over four hundred and fifty theaters. Uh, I mean, for a forty-year-old yeah, movie, pretty to, crazy for a forty-year-old movie to to pull in that much from such a limited release. We actually got four theaters in the area. I know there were people around the country complaining they couldn't find one even remotely close to them. We ended up with four near us, so that was that was kind of nice. But yeah, it did quite well. Um, and it was a lot of fun to yeah. see to see on the big screen. So, it was it was Good actually time. my first time back in the theater since uh, the Rise of Skywalker. So, uh, it was oh. nice. It was nice to get back into a movie theater. Oh, I've been to a couple. I, I saw Batman. I saw a few things. Well, and you're a Marvel fan, so you've seen a lot of the MCU stuff. Yeah. Which I yeah, didn't. MCU and and like I said, like the Batman was a big one. With that, we'll pivot kind of into our the meat of our discussion tonight, which is going to be Mando Season 3. Um, 
again, we kind of discussed during our last episode why uh, there was a chasm uh, when it comes to our discussions and, and the number of episodes needing to be recapped. So uh, there are six episodes that we technically have not recapped. Um, <laughs> it's only 75% of the whole, whole uh-huh. season. No yeah, so uh, The Convert, The Foundling, The Pirate, Guns for Hire, uh, The Spies, and The Return. So like I said at the outset, we're not going to go through and, and do them you know, episode by episode. That would be completely dull and completely outdated so um i think it best to look at the finale and we can include the spies uh and the return kind of as a dual uh finale if you want even though they were separated uh by a week and then kind of reference back to the earlier episodes if you want so as a as a finale where uh or i guess your thoughts Overall, were you happy with how the season wrapped? Yeah, I mean, that could have been the series finale, and it would have been okay. Um, Yeah, I was overall happy with how it played out. Uh, The only gripe I had, I think, was the fact that all of a sudden Grogu magically appeared where Mando needed him Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Um, But outside of that specific detail, I mean, everything else um, played out... uh, played out well a uh, couple surprises for me that uh we didn't get the quote-unquote second spy we were waiting on i know that um in our own discussions uh, outside the pod we were trying to figure out well it said spies so who else mm-hmm. um so uh but it ended up being just either a red herring or we just dug too deep into the title of the episode and there was just you know, the spies on court, I mean, the Imperial spies all over the place. So just not in our Mando group. Yeah, it was, it was really well done the way that they, the direction, because didn't Rick do both? I think Rick did both uh, the last two episodes. So, which makes sense, because again, they were effectively one long episode cut into two. But the way that it was directed and shot in a way to make it easy to suspect certain people. And my, my guess at the time was that it was grief um because of his insistence in having grogu in the ig12 uh armor plus he would have stuff to to gain from uh befriending the empire as a as a as an independent system or a desire to be an independent system that sort of stuff uh and you were set on who again oh i really thought the armor was just gonna I I, th- I thought it was gonna be a surprise for everybody um it wouldn't have made sense i mean i, th- I think i already um debunked my my own theory by the time i got to the episode um just because nothing so far had led you to believe that she was anything but loyal to um their way of life right yeah and and the you know one of the things that that i think kind of made the season feel disjointed was kind of how it bounced around to like there wasn't a clear cohesion between the episodes it almost felt like there was some fragmentation and stuff like that as as the series went on, um, specifically like with the Guns for Hire episode, which was, you know, kind of that Scooby-Doo style mystery with Jack Black, Lizzo, and Christopher Lloyd all making, uh, you know, yeah. cameo appearances, I guess. Not cameos, but... I'll just say one thing about that. I know we're going to probably talk about that episode some more as we get, get into things, and I'm sure it's, if I had to guess the lowest rated episode... Um, 
on IMDb. Uh, can't wait to you are correct. Hear about that. Um, but I guess for me personally, when I see like a really famous actor or actress um, in Star Wars specifically, it just kind of takes me out of it. Mm-hmm. So, especially some a big personality like Jack Black, like uh, cool to see him in Star Wars, but at the same time, I'm like could have done without it. And, and it's difficult too because someone like him you know playing that type of character is kind of outside of what he normally does playing sort of that bombastic kind of out like um yeah kind of out not out there like as in crazy or anything like that but he's he's very um boisterous i guess might be a good word for it um even as poe and kung fu panda right like i just envision poe <laughs> When I see Jack Black mm-hmm. now, it's, you know, and I'm sure some people will now see him as Bowser, right? And so I, the I, the thing I enjoyed, and I will say when I first watched that particular episode, um, and I'll, I'm going to tie it back to the finale here in a second, but I didn't, I, I didn't get the ending um, in how the Darksaber ends up back with Bo. And I know a lot of people talked about it leading up to that episode with, oh, there's a technicality that you know, the spider robot, whatever beat Bo, uh, Din and, and then Bo came in and, and beat the crap out of him, uh, chopped his head off and whatever. And, uh, and so she gets, she gets the dark saber. It's like, well, that's kind of, a, I guess technically, but I didn't see it as that character ever actually possessing the dark saber and then losing with it in combat. And so I just thought it was funny that th- she gets done beating the crap out of Axe which was awesome. That was fantastic. And was I was a great fight. I was hoping that that we would get not maybe not like a confrontation like that, but there would be some sort of scuffle in in her reobtaining the dark saber. And I just found it really funny that Din's like this happened and this happened and this happened and all of them are like yeah, yeah, I I totally buy that. that tracks. I buy that, that story. Tracks. Like nobody questions it at all and Nobody was like, well, wait, if that happened, then why do you still have it if if she should have it, you know? And so yeah. it just felt weird to me. But then tying it to the finale with Gideon just, you know, squeezing the ever-living ever life out of it and crushing it into nothing, looking back on episode six, I feel like it's actually a way of tearing down the dogma that hinders and has hindered the Mandalorian culture in that they rely so heavily on, again, in, in that instance, the Darksaber and its relevance, its its uh, symbolism into what a good leader is. And in that moment, in that Din literally just gives it to her based on a technicality, uh, that he's demonstrating that a leader should be chosen based on attributes and not what they possess now in that in that instance right has the biggest stick (laughs) right and and so i again i didn't really care for it when i first watched it and i even posted a a tweet about it and it being one of the probably the most disappointed i've been watching uh star wars uh, live action stuff and then i thought about it more and what it kind of represented and I think if you view it in that way of him starting to tear down that the or tear at the chains that have restricted and hampered uh, the Mandalorian culture and then to see what happens in episode eight 
with Gideon crushing it and saying, you know, you're nothing without your trinkets. And then Bo is saying, we're, you know, we're stronger together sort of thing. I think it kind of ties it all together, uh, even though the package that it was delivered in was a little wacky. Yeah. I mean, uh, during the final finale, when um, Gideon did just snap it, I'm like, oh, that was a waste of two seasons of chasing this artifact. <laughs> but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was it was just kind of weird how it happened. I mean, I, I mean, the technicality was it just it. Like, I, I, I wish we were breaking some of these episodes down the way we um, normally do, just because I'd love to see some of the comments left. <laughs> um, just as, I'll be happy just to pull some up hate. for you. Uh, just a straight hate for Bo um, is out there. It's 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 hilarious. I think I watched an interview. Um, Kate, um, Kate, Katie Sackhoff, Katie Sackhoff. Oh my gosh! I'm telling you, dude, I'm losing it today. Yeah, where she was given the the thing about people who like her, like percentages. I, I think I sent you that today. Yes, <laughs> and it was like sixty percent. Lo- like 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 love me 30 percent absolutely hate me and 10 percent want me to sit on their face or something like that well the funny thing about it is the percentages actually didn't add up to 100 right so she did 70 oh, and then it, it was I 10 it. and then five and then two percent want me to sit on their face and i've oh, seen was, i've yeah. seen so many memes about like the clone of the two percent it's the clone army from the end of attack of the clones <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny um but yeah that's just it like so many people sent so many hateful things just because it's like i just remember even from our last one uh, last episode like it's the mandalorian not the woman mandalorian i'm like oh, oh yeah. my god <laughs> um i mean like i said I, I really liked where the season ended i think it was the right way to do it like overall mando's a bounty hunter like i don't it would have been cool to see him lead mandalore a little bit but like he goes back to his roots of being a bounty hunter and earning his way through the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'm okay with it. I just want to see Grogu wreck some more stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, the uh, that was that was another thing. You know, with the t- the last two episodes, right? We get well. You talk about wrecking stuff as far as Grogu's concerned with the Praetorian guards. And I want I want to talk guards about, didn't seem to. Oh <laughs> well, I want to talk. I want to talk about some something a little bit later, but. You know, getting the Shadow Council, getting um, Hux's, uh, what was it, Hux's dad. Uh, in, dad, father. Yeah, which is actually uh, Dom- Dominal Gleason's brother. His brothers. Which is yeah. pretty cool. But the discussion of Thrawn and, and, you know, you and I and Keith had talked about, uh, wouldn't it be cool if Thrawn, if, if that was kind of like where Thrawn showed up, even though we know he's going to be in Ahsoka, like he comes in, he's the one that basically blows up the base. But... We finally get the cloning, uh, not reveal. We knew it was there. We knew it was coming. So it, but the the room of Gideon's was, uh, and you get the nice little jump scare. And now the big discussion, or at least not the big discussion, a discussion that came out of of this of the season finale is, you know, was that actually Gideon on the platform, or was that one of his clones? And everybody points to his mustache missing. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. If you think he's a clone, or if you think the actual uh he's actually toast i think he's gone i think uh you know he got so angry about those clones not being able to breathe life um I mean, he was he was angry um so i think i personally think it's him so um 
I mean, that's my my personal opinion. But I think I think he's done. I and and I'm hoping that he is because if if Mando's going to go back to being a bounty hunter, right, and doing that sort of stuff for the New Republic, I feel like having him kind of in the background as like the baddie, right, means that at some point their paths have to cross again. And if he's going to be a bounty hunter, I don't know that that actually. I mean, you could put a bounty out for Moff Gideon, but I don't know that that makes a whole lot of sense. So, I mean, he's been the season finale three seasons in a row now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we're done with him. I mean, we should be done with him. Fingers crossed. But the thing I want to talk about as far as the, uh, with Grogu, and you know my love of Grogu, and... Favorite character in all Star Wars. 100%. And I am Nailed it. in 100% agreeance in the fact that we go from the end of episode seven with him, you know, in the containment area with all the rest of the Mandalorians and presumably escaping through the hole because Paz, retreat. Paz is retreat. the last one out. Yeah. And let, I mean, Paz's exit was top notch. It was fantastic. It was, you know, what you would hope for a character like that. Uh, and a I mean, Mandalorian in general. Was- it was fantastic. It so. was it was excellent, but they all escape thanks to Paz, and then all of a sudden, somehow, some way, one nobody noticed. Like you said, nobody noticed that he was gone from from the main group. Like Bo wasn't like, "Where's the kid?" And then secondly, he ends up in the same hallway. Like it, it felt too abrupt. Yeah. The the again the reunite the reunification. It's just like when Grogu left to begin with, at the end of season two, and it's like boom, they're back together. Like there's no, and you're not going to have a, a multi episode like split off. I understand that, but Manda was never in danger. Like there was never any risk to him, which which I I think they kind of missed an opportunity there to give. To, to, to give some uh, um, sense of... Because there was talk like, does Mando die in the last episode? And I don't know how like realistic that was, but they could have very easily had him sacrifice for something else, uh, and I think they could have made it make sense. But, you know, the fact that Grogu ends up in the hallway, helps him escape, um, they get into the... The room where, uh, that that was funny with the, the jetpack troopers or the, like the, the the new imperial commandos, where like each the imperials like the super troopers basically yeah where each like new ray shield, with like a next boss level fight like mm-hmm. he, he picked up one weapon to fight the next like that was kind of funny, uh, that progression but the, the Praetorian guards showing up, can we explain can we discuss how in the heck. Mando gets stabbed multiple times, hacked at with the with the electro blades and everything like that, and he's cool. But Paz has similar things, minus you know, down through the neck, a la the Romans, a la the original Praetorian guards, which I thought was a really cool little Easter egg. How is he like unharmed or unfazed by <clears throat> by that? I don't think he was unharmed, but I don't think. I think their strikes on Mando were pure, I mean, against pure Beskar. I don't know if Paz's armor is pure, so it may have affected him differently. 
that's that's fair. Okay, I'll I'll buy that one. Um, but then you get <laughs> Grogu doing the uh, bouncy bounce in the room with the Praetorian yeah. guards. And what I asked you last night, and I want to talk about now is, do you think the practical effects in in that in that scene in particular hampered the feel of that battle versus if they had used CGI to to animate him in some way? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think it was probably best to keep it practical. I mean, old, I'll, I'll, I'll say like a traditionalist prefer that because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's their original Star Wars, you know? So I think it was good to see, but I don't think it really hampered very much. It was kind of weird watching him get like a whole pipe dropped on him or whatever. And then I'm just stuck there. <laughs> I don't know. So it was goofy, you know? But then again, it's Star Wars. But like... I can only imagine the guys in the green screen suits who would, who were acting in that scene with him, like making him do the hops and the hops over across light fixtures. I If someone's, you know, recording or recording that, if somebody's uh, filming that, I, I, I don't know how you, you don't laugh, like at least inside. I mean, they're professionals, so they're not going to laugh. But watching it, I just had that in the back of my head. Like there's somebody in a green or a blue suit right now who's in this room with these guys who has Grogu like on a stick making him dance like a dang, a, like a marionette puppet. On, and it's just like, on, that's on, kind of funny. On a stick. <laughs> He's Grogu on a stick. On a stick. He's Jose Jalepin yeah. Grogu on a stick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, I see, I, that, but that's just it. That goes back to what we talked about for um, Return of the Jedi. Like it's just so, it, it's so unrealistic. And like, you're just like, why is this even happening right now? But it, then you think back and oh, this is Star Wars, so it's okay. It's yeah. just all okay. And that's and that's fine, except that it's forty years old, right? And so the effects yeah. for then were amazing. And I'm not saying that CGI would have made it any better. It may have made it like, it may have made it actually worse. Um, it just made it kind of funny, and it almost took you out of the peril. Which, again, I don't know that they were ever going to kill off Grogu. Obviously, they didn't. And I don't know if that was ever or would have ever been a consideration, but I almost felt like there had to be some sort of big emotional thing in the finale, whether Din Din died, Grogu died, Bo died. Um, We kind of assumed, I think, Gideon would probably die, maybe not in the way that did, which was pretty epic with Axe, like, somehow. Pretty sick. (laughs) You know, taking just, that Imperial Light Cruiser, it. it was that was pretty. I'm not gonna say it's like the Holdo maneuver, but it was like a, a more a more macho version, I guess, of just ramming it and then jetpacking out, which was which was cool. And the scene where they're all flying in, and you got the gauntlets and and the drop ships, and they all drop and they all take off. I got goosebumps watching watching that scene. I'll tell you what, the epi- episode seven and eight with the um, hand-to-hand combat stuff it was just it was fantastic like when they first ran into the imperial troopers mm-hmm. um, in the cave we've never seen star wars like that in live action i mean we were talking about mando and Bo straight up double tapping guys <laughs> right underneath their helmet like mm-hmm. just oh i'm gonna hit you and then bend you over and then shoot you in the back of the head through your like underneath your helmet so like it's just amazing i mean they knew exactly how to attack those 
because they're Mandalorians. They fight against Mandalorians all the time mm -hmm. versus those Imperial troopers think they're impervious to everything because, well, they've got this Beskar armor on, so they're, they're, they're good to go. Um, but the Mandos know, no, you're not, you're not uh, immortal here. You're not like, anything um, special. I'll show you real quick. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you real quick. Don't worry about it. Come on over here. Get a little closer. I'll show you. I mean, they're so. they're the Spartans of the Star Wars universe, right? Like they are they are trained and brought up in combat, right? We see that through multiple episodes uh, this yeah. season with the training and the the yeah their ability to dispatch. It was legit execution style mm -hmm. in some of the cases, though. Hundred percent. And 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 we're here for it. Like, give it. That's the kind of Star Wars we want. And, and we're here for it. I loved it. <laughs> that now I was wondering, you know, the. The Imperial Super Command. I'm going to call them Imperial Super Commandos because um, that's what they look like. Uh, whether they were clones or whether they were like enlisted uh, personnel, because they definitely were human. I mean, they were. They, uh, so I'm curious, you know, what what sort of form they they took. But um, the the thing I didn't understand from that scene that part of season, of episode seven is the chase is the pursuit right like it's like they just threw all of their intelligence out the damn window as they're running through this cave which all of a sudden becomes incredibly imperialistic and it's like and clean it's it was like it was like han chasing down this and chewy chasing the stormtroopers through the death star and then they come around the corner and it's like oh there, well, in the original, there was like four of them, but in the special edition, there was like you know a whole battalion, and it's like at no point did did nobody pick up on this. And then they get there and they go, they stop and they stand and they look and they go, "What is this?" It's like, "What the hell does it look like? What what like does it, it look like?" like? Interceptors over there, <laughs> of course there are. <laughs> what does it look like to you? Like, are you are you blind? And so I'm screaming that at my TV as I'm watching episode seven. I'm like, how does how does anybody get out? Get out! Get out! <laughs> how does how does Din not recognize this? How does Manda or uh, Bo not recognize this? How does Paz? How how does nobody notice that? So that was one of the well, things. That, that was the other piece with pa Paz. Like, granted, you were shooting them down and just killing everybody. Awesome for you. Mm -hmm. Good good job. But also, you've got a jetpack and you can see the sky. I'm just, but you if know, he but if he bails, to... if he bails and they open the thing and and they they take down all the, I, I get your. Are point. you telling me that I get that, your point? That, I mean, I mean, the Mandos in that room couldn't have taken the Imperial squad on. I'm pretty sure. The oh, 100. They could have. 100. Although I think I think Grogu would have stood in in between them and gone no, 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 no. <laughs> Button smash. Can we just? I'm not even gonna like go there with how silly that was during. Uh, oh, it's hilarious! I loved it. I don't even care. I laughed. Yeah, the. I uh, don't care. It was. Um... <laughs> and that's why I thought watching that... him go through the, going watching Grogu go through the market with Mando is how I feel with my son. <laughs> like this. No, yes, yes, yes. No, no, we're not doing that. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm like oh. This is not working for me. <laughs> that was another one of those goofy things, and I'm like, please stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, but see, the goofy things get me. Like, those are the kind of things that I'm like, yes. Like, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Like, 
I, I will say again, talking to the emotional thing we I mentioned earlier, the end of the finale with the adoption of of Grogu by Din, you know, with the uh, in the living waters and stuff like that. I will admit <clears throat> that I got emotional. Um, I did get a little. Uh, somebody was cutting onions um, in my living room. I don't know why. The kitchen was right next door. But uh, <laughs> being a parent has really softened me to things like that. And and I recognize that he is not a human thing, right? But there's something about that relationship that once you become a parent. I don't know. It hits different. It's weird, man. I was just waiting for the mythosaur to come up and just eat. I mean, give him a kiss. The first time ever, uh, the first time ever a beast hasn't interrupted this uh, <laughs> this thing. So, I mean, come on. I well, I, I think it's funny too because I I did think that something was going to happen because of the way that they cut to him to Grogu and then they pan back down to the mythosaur just hanging out. And Grogu's gonna ride it. <laughs> Bo's the only one who knows it's there. Oh, Grogu can feel it. True. And we've already seen him tame the Brancor. And the Mudhorn. I don't really tame the Mudhorn. He lifted it up and Mando. <laughs> I mean it. he he tamed it. <laughs> he paused stay. it. Yeah, stay. You and, stay. I'm just gonna stab you with a vibra blade. Anyways. Um <clears throat> So, you know, kind of let's look back at the season as a whole, um, give it some grades, give it some thoughts. I mean, we've kind of talked about things we'd liked and didn't like of the last few episodes. Um, what, what's your overall grade for the season? Um, you know, I'd give it a solid eight and a half. I enjoyed the season overall. I mean, the stuff that was supposed to happen happened and, yeah, I mean, overall, I'd just give it an eight and a half. I mean, I like the story that we went with. Um, yeah, it could have been bumped to a nine if, like, you know, um, some other things had gone different ways, sure. But uh, the way it ended was still good. I still enjoyed it. So yeah, I'd give it a solid eight and a half. Now, you say it would be a nine if, if certain things went differently. Which things are you referring to? I mean, I would have kept the Darksaber with Mando and had him... I mean, we were running we were running towards that classic storyline of like, I don't want to be the leader, but I am doing everything a leader should be doing. Mm -hmm. And then realize that I should be the leader. And then until like episode five, was it five? It was episode five when it kind of started going the other direction. Well, it was I, towards Bo. Yeah. Which, I, I, again, I, I, I'm not I, mad that it's Bo. I mean, she is a Royal bloodline she knows what she's doing on Mandalore. Like, I, I think that she's a good choice. I just, the way the story was playing the last couple seasons, it was leading towards the storyline of, I don't want to be the leader, but he was going to accept it eventually. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the way they went with it. So. Yeah, once once they started to wrap Bo into the Children of the Watch, like through the Foundling episode with them rescuing Ragnar, and... And I love that episode because, or at least the title of the episode, because it can pertain to all three characters. It could pertain to it could have pertained to Grogu, because you have that training scene at the beginning where you know they're shooting the paintball. Obviously, Ragnar being a foundling, and then Bo. You know, you could consider her a foundling as well for the uh, 
for the children and the watch. So yeah, so you could say that episode four was where it switched, or you could say that episode two with the minds of Mandalore with her bailing out Mando is where it started to transition to it being her story and less about him. But so eight and a half for you. Uh, I'm probably in that same boat. Um, probably go a little bit higher, like eight seven. Um, the guns for higher episode was, like I said, a little weird for me. Uh, although on second consideration, it wasn't as bad. I one of the things that I didn't understand with the season was the point of or what they're going to do with Doctor Pershing uh, with the convert episode. I did like in that episode the fact that they reference Umate, which is the the natural the mountain peak in the center of Coruscant, which was a really cool nod to the High Republic. Uh, and I did enjoy the the March of the Resistance playing in the background during that during that scene with uh, Elia and and Doctor Pershing. So I don't know what they're going to end up doing with him as as it relates to that. But I mean, the first two episodes were really good. Third episode was good. It was just a little it felt disjointed just because of what happened with the first two episodes. Um, but then you had the Foundling and the Pirate which, again, were fun, sort of action-y episodes in the Guns for Hire, and then the finale. So really just kind of two episodes that didn't really fit the mold, so to speak. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's probably like an 8-7. If, if there was a little bit more cohesion between the episodes as it progressed, it'd probably be like a 9-9-1. I didn't mind Mando not being the center, the center of the story per se, uh, and him being more of a complimentary part that didn't, that didn't, that one didn't bother me as bad. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically Mando and Grogu to some extent were kind of complimentary bits with the focus being more on both the children of the watch and eventually, uh, Bo's contingent. Uh, and so, so yeah, I give it like an eight, seven. So overall pretty, pretty solid, pretty happy with it. So um, as far as like plans going forward or thoughts for season four, um, we know, or at least we presume that he's going to be doing bounty hunting, uh, as is, uh, implied at the end of the, of the finale. So the question then becomes, or at least I think the question is, are we going to go down the path with the rebuilding of Mandalore and the way that like plays year 15? kind of looks right because i think that was the whole point of showing that civilization was this is what mandalore can look like in the future um or do you think we see like the empire crack down because uh well we know that there really aren't a whole lot of mandalorians or at least we don't see them anyways during the sequel trilogy um granted there's a lot of time between there or do you think it'll focus more on din and grogu's uh, or Din Grogu and Din Jaren's journey. I, mean, I would imagine we go back to Din and Grogu. You know, they are they are the pairing that ran the first season. So, um, the first three now, really. So, I mean, I, I have a feeling we're going back to the roots of the show a little bit. Like, I don't know how much Mandalore we're going to get going forward. I mean, I imagine we're going to get some, but um, we could not go to that planet again and they could make a finale season it's just it'd be weird it'd be weird if we didn't go back but mm -hmm. um they could 
Um, but yeah, no, I think they're just going to focus in on um, other other risks. I'm curious to see who some of the bounties are going to be that the New Republic's after. Um, I'm sure we'll get some Easter eggs and other stuff that connect some more dots. Uh, and I wouldn't doubt that some of it is that Shadow Council, um, with the aid of Ahsoka, more than likely pointing him in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're, I'm sure we're going to see some crossovers um, come into play. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious if they're going to let Grogu do any more training, uh, Jedi uh, training, Force training, and if they would use <clears throat> Luke for that, or if they would use Ahsoka for that. Although, I don't think Ahsoka would train him. Um, I guess I could be wrong about that. Um, I just don't know how the story... Like, what the natural end of the story is. And maybe season four is not the end. Fortunately, uh, it's already written uh, because last night uh, the Writers Guild of America went on strike. And so, um, for Star Wars fans anyways, at least that part's been written. uh, So there's not going to be any delay with season four from a writing perspective. Uh, It will be interesting to see what that does, though, for these new movie projects that got uh, announced and and the like but the point is that you know I think there was a, a, a sentiment that season three's ending could have been an ending you alluded to that at the beginning so I just don't know how it how it wraps um, any especially any differently than how season three ended I mean I'm not sure it, it fully wraps the anything anyway just because you know, um, they've got the, they're going to have the crossover event that Mando is probably going to be a part of for the movie. So um, I imagine that it's it's not going to be the end. It might be the end of the series, but it won't be. There won't be like a finale. Like it won't it won't feel like it's the end. Right. And speaking of training, I wonder if uh, you know if if it's possible that Kellerin could be used again. We could see him back because that was one of the things with episode was that episode four with the foundling again with getting the reveal of who rescued grogu right and i know again we didn't really talk about that but i'm just confused now after seeing how season three did end how or what the point of a season four is going to be um but having said that i can't wait to see what it has so and we got two dave filoni cameos yes yes we did in the season yes two we did. of them two bar scenes I, I was kind of so, bummed that yeah. Zeb was not in the final, uh, the final scene oh, yeah. there with, well, with him in it. Why well, it would have been cool? Budget cuts, you know. Budget cuts, get out of here. Yeah, they just made, they just made millions of dollars again on a movie that was out forty <laughs> years ago. So, well, that does have a bit of a nostalgia attached to it. But they could release all those movies every five years and make millions. A hundred percent, without question. I, I'm curious, uh, since we're on that topic, if the plan would be to uh, do any prequel re-releases. You know, as we get closer to that, I mean, we're still <clears throat> we're still a ways off from that. Although technically, next year is the uh, 25th anniversary of Phantom Menace. So, but I am curious if they'll choose to do that going forward um, because it was so successful. So, um, well, with that, um, we'll move to our closing uh uh topic which is uh the recent release of jedi survivor um some of the uh noteworthy news of it and then kind of my first thoughts playing through it i'm about 12 or 13 hours into the game 
and uh, kind of give my first my first thoughts, my first looks at it. Um, real quick, <clears throat> excuse me. Real quick, the uh, from a sales perspective, it's uh, it's done quite well, uh, at least from what I could find regarding like Steam sales. I don't know that they have physical copy sales quite yet, but as far as Steam's concerned, there were three hundred thousand downloads in the first three days for like $18 million worth of sales. So I would wager that physical copies, pre-order copies, and uh, digital downloads through PlayStation Store and Xbox Store would be a decent percentage of that, maybe 50 to 60% of that. Uh, in running our Jedi Survivor giveaway, there are a lot, a lot of people who play uh, on PC. Uh, which is apparently where the biggest issues are coming from right now in that the PC port is effectively unplayable because it's been crashing so much. Um, people can't even get past the loading screens and stuff like that, which they did just patch that, uh, or they patched some of it. Uh, and they've also released some console patches, but fortunately, at least for the Xbox, I know the PS5 is also having some issues. Uh, the Xbox Series X has been... Uh, I won't say perfect, but it is. it certainly has not been broken in any way. Um, I've had some slight frame rate drops, but otherwise it has been a, a, a joy to play so far. Um, you know, you played Fallen Order. Uh, we talked about this last night. Um, the, the movement, the combat... On the next-gen consoles is so much better uh, just because the hardware allows for more movement fluidity and that sort of stuff um, <clears throat> the world uh, it, you know Jedi Fallen Order felt semi open world right there was some level of exploration that you could do but you were kind of hemmed in right the the size of the maps were, were of course limited and stuff like that so being able to go to the next-gen consoles it does feel open world um, not like random in the sense or open world in the sense that there are random like occurrences right you still have staged enemies here and there like there's not a random happenstance thing at least I haven't encountered that yet um, but there's just so much to run and explore and, and and do and being you know 12 or 13 hours in already I'm only like 35% of the way through the story uh, because <laughs> I like, ooh, shiny thing, ooh, shiny, ooh, shiny thing. And they've got, um, so what's really cool about, about this game is that they have uh, rumors. Eventually you get to a point where you can earn bounties. Uh, you can get bounty pucks and do bounty tracking, which is cool. And then, um, well, of course, the collectibles you can find. Um, and so there are, th so far anyways, three stores that you can use to purchase uh, perks. So there is like a perk tree on top of your skill tree, uh, which is pretty cool. So you can slot in, uh, uh, depending on the strength of the perk, it takes up a certain number of perk slots. Um, and so you start with three. One of the stores, uh, if you collect enough of these collectibles, uh, you can purchase a second one or another slot. So you can get four perk slots total. Um, there's Priorite to collect, which is uh, like a, a rare, earth, not earth mineral, but like a mineral uh, 
data disks and scrolls and I won't spoil where the scrolls come from because um, <clears throat> I don't want to I'm going to try my best not to spoil any of the story uh, it's appreciated I think <laughs> so um, so but the, the from from a story perspective it's uh, it's really really exciting I do like that they're tying into some of the new canon and I you know I won't really go into that any further but um, there's there's actually a heavy reliance on some of that, which is really enjoyable for those who have uh, have explored that uh, that portion of the new canon. You do get you know we've seen it in the trailers, right? So you got all the old the old crew, so Seer, Grease, Marin, um, <clears throat> the new male like sidekick character Bode uh, is really cool. His character is really well written. Um, at least again, to where I'm at so far, the interactions between Cal and Marin are adorable. And I swear if something happens in the end of the story with them, I'm going to be utterly devastated, but, um, they're adorable, uh, so far at, at the point in the game that I'm at. And, um, it was really cool. Uh, again, I won't like necessarily spoil like what happens, but you do get to see, um, a Kyber crystal get bled like in real time, like in, in the real day, uh, which is, which is cool. I've never, you know, I don't think we've ever seen that happen, right? You know, you heard of it, you know how it happens to an extent, but I don't think that we've ever like seen it like that. Um, so that was really cool to see, but yeah, I mean, first thoughts again, some, some minor percentage of the way. And I know there are people who've completed it um obviously people got early game copies and and that's not us so you know i paid for mine i it took four hours to download game uh first night so um but you know i just finished one mission the end mission sequence was probably one of the coolest things i've ever done in gaming the way that it ends is the mix of cinematics and obviously gameplay was top-notch um and so you know if there's anybody on the fence about getting it um you know unless you're on pc uh i mean if you've got an xbox if you happen to have a series x or a series s get it um because it's it's a blast and the new and the new kill animations uh with the battle droids that you get to encounter which again we've seen that in in the trailers you know the the existence of the droids and the and the uh, K two style or KX droids. Um, there's some fun added characters that obviously we didn't see in the trailers that are are really fun to fight. And uh, I was talking with you last night about Ogdo Bogdo and uh, hmm. and how EA and Respawn were so kind to put the spawn of Ogdo Bogdo in, in Jedi Survivor. So for anybody who played Fallen Order, uh, he is placed in a spot, and again, I won't, I won't spoil where it is, but you will happen upon it. You will think that, uh, oh, this collectible, I'm going to go pick this Everything's up. Everything's fine. I'm going to pick this up. And it's, and it's right after you dispatch... Uh, some battle droids and stuff like that, um, which happens a lot, so it doesn't really give it away. But 
you're like, oh, okay, cool. Look, I can go get my collectible now. And you walk towards it. And uh, in the words of uh, Dr. Pershing and Adam Akbar, it's a trap. And I pretty sure I died four or five times before I just gave up. And I said, you can keep my life force. You can keep my experience points. I am not coming back to you until I can just force push you into the corner uh, at the end of the game. So that was a fun little Easter egg to, uh, actually, I don't know that was fun. It was a nice Easter egg to uh, uncover. So um, definitely enjoying it. Uh, again, really enjoying the story, the graphics, the the. The visuals are amazing. Um, it's a beautiful open world game, and there's stuff to look at everywhere. Um, the customization with Cal. Now, I haven't uncovered all the hairstyles and stuff like that, but I've seen some really fun people making him look like Chuck Norris. Uh, people, people doing like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi because if you order the digital version, you get the hermit robes from the Kenobi series. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> you, you get the, uh, uh, they have a stance where you can use a saber and a blaster at the same time, which is pretty cool. Um, I haven't found any like use for it. I'm not very good with that because you basically recharge your gun by making saber strikes. So it's a lot of back and forth. Um, I haven't really found a good spot for it yet. Um, but you can uh, you can dual wield, which is pretty cool. Um, I think there's five different stances you can choose from, <clears throat> and so uh, it's pretty cool. And then the claymore style cross guard saber that again we've seen in the trailer, but getting to play with it, that thing hits like a damn train. Um, but it also takes forever to swing and recover. So uh, it's there's good balance. I feel like uh, in in the weapons as well, um, and so I think there's a good playstyle for <clears throat> for anyone. Nice. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to get. It. I'll, I'll have it in my hands probably within another week or so, and then I'll have uh, a nice leave to <laughs> to play through it on. You get what? How long you get for your uh, maternity uh, paternity leave? Three three months. Twelve weeks. Jesus. <laughs> Twelve weeks. So I will have some time. You, you, you'll have plenty of time to not only beat the game, but 100% it, and then do your, uh, do your like, uh, Jedi, Jedi, or you go back and play it on Grandmaster. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that'll happen. I, I mean, am... it was fun 100%ing the game on, on Jedi Fallen Order, so mm-hmm. I, I look forward to 100%ing this one also. Yeah, and, and the combat, like I was saying, the combat is, it's very similar to before, so if you need a quick refresher before you jump in, I mean, there's a there's a tutorial thing at the beginning, but um, which I will say does have a fun little uh, twist that I was not expecting, um, especially if you play in Fallen Order, um, which you probably should do that. I don't know that you necessarily actually have to do that um, from what I've discovered so far. Uh, yes, you won't know the characters, um, but the story itself doesn't really necessarily tie in directly to Jedi Fallen Order so it is a nice sort of standalone if you didn't play Fallen Order you can totally play Jedi Survivor and basically understand everything that's going on Um, you just might not get some of the uh, intricacies in the character interactions but that would probably really be it 
There it is. Yeah, that's my that's my game review in uh, you know my ten minute game review. <laughs> Pretty solid. Pretty well good. done. Pretty, thank Not you. even scripted, guys. Not even scripted. No, that was you know I hit the I hit the opener in one take, you know which I was very proud of. You know that's a that's gonna pat myself on the back for that's that. Good one. night. That's a good night. Uh, with that, then we'll bring this episode to a close. Uh, if you enjoy the content, please consider sharing, subscribing, following us on our social media platforms. Uh, those will be in the show notes or the episode description. For fandoms outside of the Star Wars universe, be sure to check out our friends over at the Galactic Dads podcast at Galactic Dads uh, on all of the podcast and social media platforms. But for Jedi John, I'm Obi Sean, and until next time. May the Force be with you.